but and somewhat boring. I just spilled coffee, everyone. We'll go get some stuff. Clean that up. Keep holding. <laughs> Everybody. Today's episode is sponsored by Triangle Publishing. So before we get to the main event of this particular episode, I'd like to talk about a few exciting titles that are coming uh, available from them in the near future or right now if you're a librarian. First, in the beloved Library Mouse series, celebrated writer and illustrator Daniel Kirk brings to life the joys of reading, writing, and sharing. In these interactive read-along adventures, young readers will hear dynamic audio while real-time word highlighting guides them through the text. Follow along with the adventure of Library Mouse Sam and his adventures in the library and beyond. Also, from celebrated creators... Tom Engelberger and Cece Bell, Inspector Flytrap is a clever, illustrated chapter book series about a mystery-solving Venus flytrap. With easy-to-read language and illustrations on almost every page, this early chapter book series is a must for beginning readers. And in these interactive read-along mysteries, readers will get the added benefit of hearing the dynamic audio while real-time word highlighting also guides them through these particular titles. These titles, and many, many more, are currently on sale at up to 50% off all April long in Overdrive Marketplace for all of our librarians who are listening in. Thank you so much for Triangle Publishing for sponsoring this episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 326 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. I'm joined by Jill. How's it going? You're back. I'm back. And this is take two. Because this is. I threw coffee all over the place. You did. I was so excited to be back in the office that I couldn't contain the coffee next to me. Uh, yeah, I was in jury duty. And as I was saying before, the stuff that I'm sure will cut out, I tweeted this as myself. It is both an important civic duty that you should do and wildly inconvenient. Yeah, so. and also pretty boring. Yeah, I obviously can't talk about the case or anything, but the annoying part for me was I was the first person selected to go up to a potential uh, trial, which was fine. I was like, oh, I'll get to do the whole voir dire process and all that jazz. I walked in, and I recognized one of the attorneys as one of my good friends from college. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm obviously not going to be on this jury, which I ended up not being. But I still had to go through the three-day process of the like questions from the judge and the attorneys. And like the other attorney was like, you do understand, from my point of view – how I would not feel comfortable having you on the jury. I was like, yeah, 100%. Totally get it. But they still kept me around for three days of talking. See, I'm kind of jealous. I never even get that far. I just have to sit in a little stew room for three oh, days. Yeah, that is... I'm, that I literally was the first name called. Of, <laughs> and uh, in Cuyahoga County, uh, it's the city of Cleveland and also the surrounding places as well. So it's big. There's 34 judges. So when you go into the jury pool room there's like i don't know like 300 people probably it's a lot of people in that room and of those i was the first one called for the first case hilarious yeah no no i just had to sit and and sit i I always kind of wanted just to at least get to that process of Mm -hmm. being a voir dire voir dire uh, I was glad I didn't get... Just because s- I like true crime stuff. So. Yeah, I was glad I didn't get selected just because it's going to run into next week, too. That's a long time to be out of the office, but... Yeah, I literally get... When you and I were talking, and you're like, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to figure something out for the episode, and then you're like, I'm going to do true crime. I actually did giggle. I was like, that's very funny. Um, at some point, I'm going to do 
courtroom dramas. Cause... Yeah, I thought about it. I just didn't have enough time to find anything other than John Grisham. Yeah. But I know a lot of true crime, so it didn't require a lot of research yeah. on my part. It was a very busy week this week. so Yeah, I enjoyed it. So thank you. You're welcome. Pinch hitting. Um, this episode, also speaking of you doing all the things this week, this episode's all you as well. So you want to tell people about it? Correct. Yeah, this is um, the next interview from um, ALA Midwinter. I actually have a couple more coming because I did a lot of interviews at ALA so Midwinter. So many. So this one is with Emily Duncan. She's a YA author of a book called Wicked Saints, which um, when it was pitched to me, uh, it was described as like a gothic Russian Joan of Arc. And I was like, cool, mm-hmm. I'm in. Um, so uh, Emily is also a librarian, um, which is kind of fun. And yeah, she was delightful to chat with. Um, we talk about the book. Uh, she talks about how... You know, some of the blurbs for the book talked about if you are someone who likes falling in love with villains, I'm like, check. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good stuff. It's basically the book written for you. Pretty much. Like the BISAC code it would be like, for people like Jill. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so we chatted all about her book and um, research, uh, how she sort of got into Russian literature and um, mythology surrounding um, that area like eastern uh europe and yeah it's good stuff it's like a through line of both of our interests it yeah like. in a lot of ways um so because i haven't got i'm excited to read it I, actually this is one of the ones where i had nothing to do with the interview but i'm def, i'm going to read this book mm-hmm. it sounds really good it does uh if people want to get a hold of us you can go to our website professionalbooknerds.com there you'll find links to our twitter and instagram which is at probooknerds You'll also find our email address, which is professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. You'll find our uh, Viber community. You'll find all the different places you can subscribe if you'd like. And you'll also find a link to Evergreen Podcast, which is the podcast channel that we belong to. Some really, really cool other uh, amazing shows you can check out while you're there, like 7-Minute Stories and Riffs on Riffs, which I'm still trying to angle my way on to. So definitely check those out if you haven't. Um is there anything else that people should know about? Two things. Big Library Read is still going on. So if you haven't yet gotten uh, homes from your uh, library's Overdrive site, be sure to check it out. The discussion board is really active, which mm-hmm. is very cool. Um, a lot of people seem to really, really be uh, enjoying the book. Um, and there was – oh, yeah. So if you are one of our academic library friends and are coming to ACRL, welcome to Cleveland this week. Hey. That's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah, ACRL is being held in Cleveland this this year, so um, be sure to you know stop by. We I don't we won't be there, but you can no. stop by the Overdrive booth and still say hello to our colleagues who will be there. Um, and I imagine to Cleveland. I would say I imagine they'll probably give you a tour if you'd like to come to see our office. Yes, I just I'm, I'm just guessing that I, I'm putting that out there for the people who will be in the booth, but. Just feels like if a partner is like, "Hi, can I see your office?" I can't imagine them saying no. So, sure. um, speaking of traveling this week, if you're in Los Angeles this weekend, if you're listening to this on Monday or during the week, I will be at the Los Angeles Festival of Books promoting instead of our school stuff. I'll be promoting Libby so with our social media specialist Ricky, who was on recently. So, booth seven oh six. If you want to come say hi there as well. So we're on both coasts this week. There you go. So, okay. Is that everything? I think that's everything. Cool. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this episode all about Jill and Emily Duncan on the professional. Oh, I was so close on the professional book nerds podcast.
Hi everyone, this is Jill, and with me is Emily Duncan, a youth librarian and writer, and her debut book, Wicked Saints, is out in April. Stephanie Garber, author of Carval, said, if you've ever fallen in love with a villain, you will uh, will fall hard for this book, which is pretty much all I need to know. Yeah. That's a pretty solid... <laughs> I just, I really love villains a lot. That's okay. That's okay. I do too. Yeah. So can you give our listeners a brief introduction to Wicked Saints? It is, it's being pitched as a gothic Joan of Arc. Right. Um, I like to think of it more as um, fan, e- fantasy Eastern Europe um, Dungeons and Dragons-esque clerics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wherein the protagonist who talks to the gods has to team up with two just awful, terrible blood mage boys from the enemy kingdom um, to try to assassinate the king of the enemy kingdom and stop a holy war that has been raging for like a century so it's weird there's a lot of blood magic there's just jokes like it's ridiculous um yeah so was the Joan of Arc thing yours or your publisher it was my agent and we went out on submission that was how she was pitching it and like it it works really well but it's funny because like never when I was writing it did that ever occur to me well sometimes you need somebody else to sort of find the uh yeah the uh hook there exactly. for you yeah. um, one of my favorite parts about reading your bio is how when you were in uh, grad school and studying you you used your time mostly to find obscure Slavic texts yeah. um, was that sort of I guess did the Slavic did, let me phrase this question in a way that makes sense yeah the book obviously um, takes a lot from that as mm-hmm. inspiration did that come first or did you have the book idea for I guess you know um the book was a very slow build because I got the idea when I was in college playing Skyrim. Sure. As one no, does. No, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, but it never worked. Like, okay. I would try to write the book and nothing ever worked. And so I knew that I wanted to write Fantasy Russia because I'm very interested in Eastern Europe. Um, and it was when I was in grad school and I kind of just cleared out Kent State's just every Eastern European fol- folklore book they had was in my apartment. Um and that kind of led me to Polish folklore, which then I integrated that into the book. And then from there, I just did so much research, so much research, as much as you can do without being fluent in the language, because right. I'm not. So I had to rely very heavily on translated texts and finding things that weren't super Western. Okay. Because a lot of times, especially um, the problem with Russia research is that you, you get a lot with a Western lens, and you get a lot that's, like, Imperial Russia and, like, the Romanovs. Right. And I'm trying to write further back, Medieval Russia, and it's a little more difficult. And with Poland, the, the thing that I kept having trouble with was there's not a whole lot of Polish, like, it's all World War II understandably so sure and so it was really hard to just find resources in english that were about poland in this very specific time period that isn't like a history textbook because those are dry and i don't feel like i get much out of them when i use them for research i wanted like folklore and culture right stories yeah what is it about folklore from that area of the world that is so interesting to you Everything is because of monsters. Oh, well, that's that's fair. In, like, in Russia, they have, you know, they, Russian folklore is fascinating because all of their stories center on 
generally someone normal. Ivan the Fool. Like, it's some normal person who has stumbled into this weirdness. Um, and Polish folklore is very dark and obsessed with vampires. Like, anything that could go wrong, the reason is probably a vampire. Really? Yeah. Huh. And, like, they're, they're similar. Like, they're both Slavic cultures, but they have such, like, extreme differences. All while being a little similar. Like, you'll get to stories and be like, oh, I read this, and it was vaguely similar, and it was the Russian version. So, like, you get the overlap, but also they are, like, very different. Which I thought was super fascinating, because... They have the same seeds, right. but they split off into very different. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, as you said, you you like a villain. I do. <laughs> do love a villain. So, how much fun was it to be like? I'm just going to write this book where it's like villain stuff and dark stuff and blood magic. I oh, I just I really love this book. Um, it was so much fun to write. It was so much fun to like because I wrote it after um, a book that I worked on for a really long time. I kind of had to come to terms with the fact that it wasn't going to go anywhere. Yep. So this was the book that I was like, well, whatever. I'm just going to write what I want to write, and either it's going to go somewhere or it's not, and I don't really care. And so it was this, because the character that is the villain... Quote, unquote. <laughs> quote, unquote, because he's part of the main cast. Right. Like, that character, every time I was drafting, because I don't outline, so I would write, I would get to a certain part of the story, and the character would turn around and say something that would negate everything that I had just written. And I'd be like, well, I have to rethink all of this. And then I would get, like, four more chapters in, and he would do it again. And I, it just kept going down to the very end, where he does that to the entire book, and I finish a draft, and I have this just collection of very loosely connected garbage fires. And I'm like, well, I <laughs> guess I can make a book out of this. But it was fun because, like... He's a mess, and he just does terrible things. And um, my one point of view character, Seraphin, is also a mess. And a lot of people um, don't quite know what to do with him at first because I present him as if he's a villain in the first chapter. And then you get, like, one more chapter with Nadia, and then you switch to his point of view. Which, and then people are like, well, I hate him. Like, he's awful. He's the villain. And then I'm like... Yeah, or is he just a mess? Right. Like, is he terrible or is he tired? It's a fine line there. It's a fine line. Yeah. No, I think that's okay, though, because I think we need more books where villains' point of view is shown. That's, you know, I think one for those of us who like villains and like that. But I think it's also important that, you know, the world and people aren't so binary. They aren't so good and evil. Yeah. And especially... um, because I was crafting this I was crafting this book where both sides of this war like they both get points of view so it became very obvious that it wasn't it, it was it can't be about good and evil because that's not how this works right um, and it became very much more about like well I mean I, everybody's wrong right like, <laughs> but both sides are terrible and everybody's wrong um, but it was fun to play with that because it was I spent less time um, thinking about the book in terms of heroes and villains and more in terms of these characters from just vastly different worlds. Like, Nadia grew up in a monastery. She was deeply sheltered. Um, She is incredibly religious. And then throw her in with Malakiash, who 
is heretic and as much of a militant atheist as you can get in a world where the gods are like kind of present sure. um, and these characters who just fight all the time it's so much fun they argue about everything and it's so much fun I love listening to you pronounce the names because I know there's a pronunciation guide out yes <laughs> which I sort of love that's actually probably very clever because I imagine you know Russian names are already somewhat tricky and then you mm-hmm. add sort of the fantasy element of Russian names and, and it's the Polish names that are the that get, get people Malakiash especially is the one that people are like I get to his name and my brain just does this white noise thing and I'm like <laughs> it's Malachi but a Polish spelling oh, like see, that that's sense. the way to think about that's, it wait, that makes sense yeah. um, <clears throat> so you said you don't outline I do not this is the first of a trilogy though correct yes it is do you have any idea <laughs> like any so, okay <laughs> so um, <laughs> when I was querying this book for an agent. I was pitching it as a duology. Okay. I have two narrators. I have Nadia and Seraphin. So the first one's Nadia's book. The second one's Seraphin's book. Um, on the call with my agent, she was like, but you have three main characters. You have Malakiash too. And like, I don't use this point of view for reasons. And he's I wish just, people could see the look on your face if you said that. He's just a mess. Like, we don't want to be in his head. Um... It's my favorite. <laughs> uh, but I... She was like, this would be better served as a trilogy. Um, which I really wanted, because I want to write a book about Malakash. He's the worst. I, <laughs> let, yes, let's write a book about him. Um, and it was one of those things that I never thought I would actually have. But it also meant that, like, I had planned for two. Like, uh. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so when we went out on submission, I had to provide a very general synopsis of the arc of the entire trilogy. So I have a very, like, basic understanding, but also um, I am I am finishing the second book. I'm, on, I'm in line edits, so, like, it's mostly done. Right. And I kind of broke the world. It's fine. And so I don't actually know... I don't know what the third book is going to look like, like, at all. That's okay. We're going to hope for the best. There like, you go. I just find outlining... Um, it's very restrictive for me, and frankly, Malakiash ruins everything anyway, so if I go in with a plan, I know he's going to burn it down, so there's no point. Um, but that's just how I write, is my characters do their own thing, and I'm along for the ride, right. and to make it make sense in the end. Like, that's we'll okay. get there when we get there. That's, that's okay. Yeah. So you work as a youth and there's a teen librarian. I mean, it's youth services, so we do the full. Okay, we do everything. Do you think your experience working with sort of the teen age group helped in terms of what you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what kind of books would are popular? Um, I would say no because I this book is more like I wrote it for the it was it's the kind of book that I really wanted as a teen. Okay, um, I really didn't like books that were trying to teach me something. Sure. Never liked, like, messagey books. Um, and I, because I liked villains, I was always frustrated with books that would, like, be really moral about that whole thing. Or, and I really liked, you know, villains as the love interest. And I was like, this is fun. But especially when I was a teen, anytime you got that, you would then get a moral lesson on why that's a bad thing. Um, and it wasn't until Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo came out love her um that 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 kind of setup was presented and the protagonist was never villainized for 
liking the villain. Right. Um, and that was a game changer for me to realize that I can maybe actually go for this, like, kind of story that I really, really like and I really want to tell. But until then, it had been very... A lot of the books that I came across, like, if you want to do that, it, you need to have a lesson involved, right. too. And I'm not interested in telling lessons. So you basically wrote a book for, like, Teenage Emily. Yeah, I did. That's a good way to go about it, though, yeah. I think. You know. Teen Emily would have really liked this book. Yeah, I'm trying to think about it. I don't really remember. Yeah, there's not really that many books. And then, as you said, if you're sort of the character who falls in love or likes the villain... It ends badly. It ends badly. Always ends badly. <laughs> That's really not cool. No. Oh. It's so much fun. Right? So much fun. <laughs> so we are, of course, at a library conference. We are. And as I said, you are a librarian. So um, I'm assuming you have some good memories of going to the library when you were a kid. I do. <laughs> I do. I, um... I was also homeschooled, so, like, I was always at the library. Um, And I remember, like, because when I was a teen, it was before YA fiction was, like, really a thing. Um, So I read a lot of, like, Dragonlance and, like, adult fantasy. (laughs) Um, And you can tell that I read a lot of Dragonlance. Just (laughs) my books show it. Um... And I would just check out piles upon piles of books. And my mom would be like, you're never going to read all these. And then I would because, I mean, you you said that I wasn't going to. And now I have to, of course, spite. Um, and I just, I was back, like, I was back to my hometown library a while ago. And they had renovated the whole, because there wasn't really a teen space um, when I was, because there was never really, right. there was a few shelves of YA fiction, air quotes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they had gutted the magazine section and made this, like, wonderful space for the teens. And it was just really good to see that, like, this library that I had grown up at that didn't really have that thing, just because that thing didn't exist yet, now has that space for them. Yeah, it's, now that I'm thinking about it, um, the library that I grew up in, it was the same thing. There was one shelf, and I, I remember it being, like, a lot of Lurling McDaniel. <laughs> like those yes! Kind of, yes. <laughs> there was that. I think that was pretty much it. And, like, like, Sweet Valley High. You kind of have Tamara Pierce yeah. for fantasy, and that was that was <laughs> it. That was your fantasy. Um, I read a lot of Redwall. Okay. Sure. I love monasteries. There you go. I don't usually go for the animals thing, but m- monastic mice. I was all for that. Um, but yeah, there wasn't. There was. It was not really a thing. Huh. We have Twilight to thank for all of that. <laughs> I mean, you're not. That is true. I mean, Kicked and it all I, off. And I read Twilight, and I. I was the target audience for <laughs> Twilight. I was all for it. <laughs> I, I actually hate quit the fourth book. I never oh, finished I didn't it. Like it I got so mad at one point. I, I, I mean, I'm just I. The I, third book was my favorite, and I got to the fourth one, and I'm like, none of this is necessary. <laughs> Why didn't we stop when the stopping was good? Yeah, yeah. But you're right. That pretty much kicked off the whole, yeah. the whole YA trend. Love those sparkly vampires. <laughs> 
See, I was I was a Jacob girl, so <sighs> didn't love those werewolves. <laughs> I did not like. See, well, now see, my thing is that I grew up reading Anne Rice, so I'm like vampires don't oh, sparkle. What that, is this? You know what? That's fair. Yeah, I've never read Anne Rice. That's a gap in my. That might be a gap in a your gap in reading. reading. Yeah. yeah, we all we all have them somewhere. That's so for those listeners who um, maybe are one of those teen girls who likes villain books or sort of those of us who did not grow up with him aside from Lee Bardugo and of course your own books are there any others out there that you would maybe recommend um let me think I know I put you on the spot oh man because there aren't very many right um so Furyborn oh oh my gosh oh my god so um yes also written by a librarian, which I love, and she was on the oh, podcast. So I know. Much. I have a arc of Kings Bay, which I've not read yet, but I, because it's so big, I'm like, it's I so want big. time to dedicate to this book. Yeah, that is, not, that is, that is a good one. That as well. is a good one. Um, it's funny. Uh, Claire was posting like snippets with the names redacted. Yep. And the only one that I liked was one with with Corianne, and she messaged me, and she was like. Emily, of course. And I was like, my radar for <laughs> villains is just amazing. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Oh, um, Cruel Prince, which is a little, like, less... It's, it's, well, I mean, Cruel Prince has it all. You can... If you... you if you ship Jude with different characters, you get every you get every different kind of villain or hate to love or rival mans. Um, but I think that's a good one just because that one is very like everybody's in it for themselves. So you get a lot of like twisty twisty betrayals. Um, and it's just so good. I had not heard the term rival mans before, but it rival makes mans. perfect sense. Now. I am very like I'm like very picky about those kinds of terms just because a lot of people will say hate to love when the characters never hated each other right. or like enemies to lovers when in fact they were never enemies you have to be on like opposite sides of a right. situation to right. be enemies um but rival mans is very succinct rival and mans. explains exactly what it is yeah i like it let me oh you know what the goodreads uh, mobile is terrible and doesn't actually let you okay. see nah i think we're good <laughs> Furyborn is a is a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of all of our interviews, we do something called the Nerd Nine, which is like a lightning round. You don't put too much thought. It's very... <laughs> uh, the last book you finished reading? Um, Winter of the Witch by Catherine Arden. I wept. It was perfect. That's all you need to know. Uh, favorite place to read? Um, I just read on my couch. Book that made you fall in love with reading? Oh, man. I know. Oh, that's a hard one. I know. Probably Redwall. Okay. Yeah. One place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? I want to go to Poland. Favorite holiday? Mm. Halloween. I do. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Cats. Favorite food? Um... Oh, I don't have a favorite food, but I really love sushi. Okay. <laughs> and dinner with one... If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, no. I know. We're, it's, we're terrible. Tolkien. Because he was a such one. a nerd, and I 
am always I'm per- perpetually fascinated by the language construction aspects yep. of his books and because I tried and I feel like mine are not that great uh, yeah and it's a full language it I think a that's the functional thing language. people don't always realize that it, it's a full functional it language it works yeah. um, people have asked me about mine if it's like a functional language and I'm like I, it can't be because then it's just Russian and Polish with different words like I mean kind of I made it up <laughs> I made it up for when I needed it. Like, I didn't... He made it up, and then he wrote the book around the language. I made up the language for when I needed it in the book, so... Yeah, yeah. Good answer. Finally, what would you like readers to take away from Wicked Saints? I love this question. Because... To question everything. And to not... To not take everything you're given like at first glance and maybe dig a little deeper and think a little more about things especially your own worldview because it might be a little different than what you actually think thank you so much for coming on the podcast emily thank you for having me readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by adam sokol and jill grunewald and presented by rakuten overdrive for more information visit professionalbooknerds.com hi there i'm heather drago and i'm sarah saunders We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.